Hi, welcome to episode eight of Hotels 101. I'm Rob Hayes, the president and CEO of Ashford Hospitality Trust, your host. And this is Hotels 101, a podcast that dives into the world of hospitality, travel, and leisure by looking at the lives of those who live and breathe it every day. So I'm glad you're here for episode eight. I am super excited for my guest today. His uh, name is Chris Batchelor. He is the CEO of Red Hospitality and Leisure based in St. Thomas, St. John's, the Caribbean, yep. terrible place to live. Uh, so Chris, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about, about Red, because uh, it seems to be the place where um, those of us uh, would love to live where you live and do what you do every day. Um, some of us are stuck in office buildings and that's not what you do. So tell, sure. us, about, tell us about Red. Yeah, yeah. So Red is, uh, I guess the best way to describe it from a hotel industry standpoint, we're kind of in charge of the fun. So Red is an outsourcing partner to our resort clients. So we take care of things like water sports, beach services, pool decks, concierge services, destination services, but really the the kind of crux of our business is to provide those memorable guest experiences, particularly in the luxury and leisure destinations that we service. So Red Hospitality stands for Resort, Ecotourism, and Destination Services. And we're a vertically integrated company that not only tries to you know, provide those services to our clients at the hotel, um, but rather than you know, being the average concierge or activity provider that maybe is sending guests to just an affiliate or something like that. We're actually responsible for the underlying brands that provide most of those activities. So we own companies and control things like uh, Cruise Bay Water Sports in the U.S. Virgin Islands, Lady Lindsay with our partnership with the Ritz-Carlton uh, in St. Thomas, Lady Grace, which is a luxury catamaran in Turks and Caicos. We have operations in Key West with our Sebago Water Sports brand, Key Largo, where we take care of a couple luxury hotels. Uh, and then we just recently acquired a really amazing company out in Maui called Ali'i Nui and Maui Dive Shop um, that provides water sports and activities for, for our guests now in Hawaii. So, so give me an example of, of uh, kind of a memorable experience that you're providing for, for a guest. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's a, a party of two that's going on the sunset sale or a dinner cruise with other guests or whether it's a, you know, a curated private experience, maybe, you know, one of my favorite ones down in the Virgin Islands is, you know, you and your family can take one of our vessels privately for the day, maybe go over to the British Virgin Islands. We can put together a custom itinerary for you. You're experiencing you know, amazing destinations, maybe four islands in one day um, of the best of the best, maybe ending your day at the world famous Soggy Dollar Bar over on Yost Van Dyke and getting back to the uh, hotel for you know, evening cocktails on the beach. So that sounds terrible. <laughs> so how did Red come about? What's what's yeah. the backstory on uh, what you all do and how'd you got there? Yeah, so Red was, uh, was created through an acquisition um, in 2017 and 2018. Prior to that, I was operating a company that I created with a partner called Island Time Water Sports. We had bought a small water sports company based in the US Virgin Islands on the island of St. John. It was just at the Westin, little tiny operation. I grew up in Hawaii and I knew that I wanted to be in that business. And I tried to go back and, and start that effort in Hawaii after being in some other industries. And uh, you know, I just wasn't able to break into that market at the time. And so we, we managed to acquire a small company uh, called Cruise Bay Water Sports. And that grew from 2013 to 2016 or 17. And, and one of our major hotel partners there, the Ritz-Carlton St. Thomas traded hands. And when that traded hands, the, ultimately the owners that bought that showed an interest in red. Um, 
adding them to their portfolio companies at, at Ashford. And so what we ended up doing was combining those businesses after a couple uh, couple hurricanes and a couple, few other couple things. Cat fives, yeah, a couple of cat fives wiped us out. But uh, but but the team at Ashford and I managed to put that thing together, and uh, we created Red Hospitality and Leisure to kind of relaunch that as more of a globally focused brand. And we've been able to grow that out of the Virgin Islands now into a to a national brand so far. Gotcha. So you mentioned that you grew up in in Hawaii, and this was this was a business that you knew you wanted to get into. Yep. So tell me why, I mean, why yeah. is it, what, one, what's it like growing up in Hawaii and sure. two, you know, why was it therefore a business you knew you wanted to be in? Cause yeah. most kids aren't walking around going, you know, I want to be in, you know, the sure. water sports and concierge business or whatever. Yeah. So I had the benefit. My family was in the business. Okay. So growing up, my dad, uh, created a company, uh, back in the you know, mid seventies. And he had, he was actually working for the Hilton family at the time. Hmm. He was working for Barry Hilton and Barry owned a, a boat at the time called Terragram, which was his personal sailboat. And my dad was living in, uh, in Connecticut and then kind of fled for some reasons to San Francisco. And he was a boat <laughs> captain and he said, and, and started working on Terragram and they wanted to deliver the boat to Maui. So very long story short, my dad, uh, moved to Hawaii, delivered Barry's boat, started working in the industry there, and then created a company that was called Sea Sales. And Sea Sales existed when I was a kid. So I grew up, you know, from, from before I was born until maybe I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. That was, you know, I grew up on the beaches, hanging out, washing my dad's boats, knowing that this business was something that looked really cool, but I didn't know anything about it other than just being the little, you know, towhead blonde kid running around, you know, uh, probably wreaking havoc at that time. Um, I didn't, you know, my family's never been part of Red Hospitality or Cruise Bay Water Sports previously, but that was just my frame of reference, right? Wanted to do something like that growing up. And I, I had moved to the States, uh, you know, in, in kind of high school, college time and uh, started doing something in the health club and fitness business, which was a, a really great way for me to start my career. But I always wanted to find a way to get back to the beach. Um, and, and I race sailboats. I've just always kind of grown up in that side of the business. So having gotten a taste of you know small business operations and capital raising and doing these things for these health clubs and personal training businesses, uh, kind of parlayed that and said, well, maybe I can do this in the water sports business. Maybe there's an opportunity to create and kind of roll up the water sports industry with more sophisticated management, really bringing something um, that would be new and unique. And so, you know, it was just really by sheer will and kind of a, a, a harebrained idea that I had probably seeded in me from a, a very young age that I wanted to create something like what we're creating at Red today. Gotcha. Well, you mentioned your dad sailed boats. Mm -hmm. and you just mentioned that you race boats. Is mm -hmm. that kind of you? I typically try to ask what are people's, what are they passionate about kind yeah. of outside of the office? Is that yeah. your, that's it. That's your thing. So tell me about yeah. your sailing. It is a, it's a, it's a, you know, addictive hobby. I, I grew up in a, in a family of sailors and, you know, on the ocean and doing all that kind of stuff and uh, was very fortunate to, to be able to, to grow into competitive small boat racing when I was a kid. Um, and that became something that I really became passionate about and was doing that. Actually, one of my decisions at the time when I had left my previous organization and I was going to go and, and start red or go back to Hawaii, my, my kind of decision tree was, hey, do I want to live in a van and be a professional sailor and maybe do an Olympic campaign? Uh, that was back in 2010 or 11. So it was, uh, I think, London 2012. Or do I want to, you know, try to go to Maui and make a career out of this, this boat business and, you know, buy the 
by the skin of its teeth, I think living in a van was slightly less attractive than, than getting into the <laughs> living, business. Living in a van down by the river. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I, I decided to do what I'm doing now, but I still try to race sailboats as much as possible and uh, race catamarans called A-class catamarans. So they're kind of high performance foiling boats. And you know, when I have a little bit of time, try to try to dedicate some time to it. So where was the last race or where, where, where do these races tend to be? Yeah. So all over the United States. And then the last race was uh, world championships in France. So got a little bit of time off and, and spent some time over there and, uh, and, and, you know, did a 10 days in, in the South of France, which wasn't terrible. No, it does not sound and, terrible. Uh, and so the next year, I think it'll be uh, in Italy and then New Zealand. So try to do the big races once a year and then a lot of racing in Florida in the, in the wintertime. That's great. That's great. So you were talking about kind of this decision tree. You were trying to figure out, you know, the, the future of this company. Uh, you obviously had when these hurricanes came through and basically destroyed everything that you had you know, had built in some sense, trying to rebuild it. You know, what have been... Uh, what have been kind of the lessons that you take from that? If you're, if you're kind of looking at as a CEO mm -hmm. running this business, what are the, what are the pieces maybe of, of advice that you got yeah. uh, that have kind of helped you get to where you were? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think perseverance is the first thing that comes to mind. And, you know, when we, we faced some pretty significant adversity, you know, with a cat five hurricane, hurricane Irma, you know, wiped out every boat that we had, every hotel that we had, um, you know, as a CEO, as a leader, you know, it becomes more about the people that you're in charge of than maybe your, your personal ambitions in some of those circumstances. So for me, it was, you know, what do I do to take care of these people that have been taking care of me and kind of been on this journey for a long time? And, you know, I just, there's a lot that goes into, you know, those decisions and, and, and really kind of taking a step back and, and trying to solve these complicated kind of existential crises in a business. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we've come out of every adversity, whether it be a hurricane or COVID or a variety of other things that have happened in our business o over the years. Hawaii, for example, mm -hmm. fire just the last couple of months. We tend to come out of those in a stronger position than when we went into them. And, you know, while it may seem like the sky is falling when things really fall apart, I think, you know, the, the art is being able to really see the light at the end of the tunnel and try to persevere through that and share that with your partners or others to get creative like we did with, with Ashford at the time and, and find a way to, to solve that problem, what it, whatever it might be, um, and recognize that um, most people and most businesses won't have that level of per perseverance. And it's easy to kind of hang up your spurs when things go go bad and try something else. But if you can um, get through it, uh, at least in our experience, we've we've grown on the backside of that almost exponentially, so. All right, so then you've got, you just mentioned you went obviously through, um, obviously a lot of tragedy and some difficult times in Maui with, the, mm -hmm. with these fires. Um, what do you hope for the, this, what do you want red to look like? So call it yeah. five years out, 10 yeah. years out. What's, what's the, the vision of what you're trying to accomplish longer term? Yeah. So it's great for the hospitality industry. You know, we have um, a lot of good kind of benchmarks with other brands. Marriott International comes to mind as they were creating their kind of house of brands. And that's what we think red is going to be. Um, we want red, you know, our mission statement as red is exceptional experiences by exceptional people. And so, you know, that's what drives our mission and what we view is that this type of 
this side of the industry, right? The experiential travel, the demand generation that that consumers are looking for, or the the the, the demand is being driven more by experiences than by where you're going to stay. And so, you know, we think we've been kind of living that for the last 10 years. And it's pretty kind of, uh, you know, of the moment, if you would, in the hospitality business right now, it's particularly, I think COVID accelerated that, but we've always kind of been there in the background saying, hey, wait a second, people are making their decisions. And, and certainly the next generation of consumer, the millennials, the Gen Xers, the Gen Zers are going to be making their decisions on not just where I'm going, but what can I do when I get there? So our vision for RED over the next you know, five to 10 years is to continue to either organically or through you know, bolt-on acquisitions and others, find the absolute best experiences in the best high barrier to entry markets like Hawaii and see if we can take those businesses, which are oftentimes excellent, right? These are small business operators that have been in, in operation for a long time. And maybe we can pour a little bit of gas on the fire with some of our um, processes, people, knowledge from other markets, and try to make uh, a house of brands that ultimately becomes, uh, you know, recognizable, relatable for quality service, safety, you know, and exceptionalism uh, across multiple markets, not just in the United States, but, but globally. And you mentioned that You've got a little bit of, and I guess it always is true, but you're seeing your consumer base change, right? You're, you're getting your new generation of customers yep. are coming in. Yep. What is the the impact of on your business of kind of this new generation of of people coming into their their kind of working years? They now have some disposable income, mm -hmm. along with just with technology. I mean, mm -hmm. technology has been impacting our industry in a lot of different ways. Yep. Yours is somewhat different than that. You've got boats, for example. Sure. I mean, hopefully, boats are not going away. Right. But what what is kind of the in, the intersection of technology and a new generation of consumers change your business? Yeah, I think it's not just for our business. I think it's the entire hospitality business, a lot of businesses. Um, the consumers now of all demographics, as technology kind of moves its way in, it's easier for the younger generation that's come up with that technology. But you know, my mom and dad are now making decisions through content through the pre-planning. Um, and I think what's happening globally and, and what we're seeing kind of a, from a trend standpoint is it's not necessarily influencing the booking window, but it's influencing the planning window. So people are starting to push out and narrow their decisions much earlier. And they're doing that through technology, through the sharing of social experiences and that social proof, right? So what we're really focused on, and I think others that are successful in the business right now is trying to project these experiences to the larger world and really amplifying um, the messaging through primarily social media channels. We want to kind of uh, export that dream, so to speak, to the internet or to social media so people who are sitting in their living room anywhere in the world can visualize themselves there. And that seems to be you know, heavily influencing like I said, the planning decisions. Um, and it is influencing the booking window. Um, and it is influencing some of the, the higher demand, kind of lower supply activities in, in individual markets. So we're really, really focused on trying to share those experiences because we see, we see, you know, word of mouth forever has been the most powerful marketing methodology since the invention of capitalism. Um, and so word of mouth has really, migrated into social proof. And so the more that we can export those experiences, the you know, guests now and certainly the next generation 
what we're kind of talking about at Red is, is um, associate optional, right? We want to be able to obviously engage with our customers as much as we need to engage with our customers to answer their questions. But generally speaking, if, if the more questions that they have for us in you know, our telephone centers or in person, it's because we're probably not doing a good enough mm -hmm. job at answering those in a kind of proactive way. So we're focused on, on that and building the business in a way that, you know, people are getting those kind of critical questions and experiential you know ex uh, examples shown to them and not only do they see it but you know the art is not just kind of projecting it and syndicating it it's it's kind of leading it through that that sales funnel into to making them you know to hopefully encouraging them to make a buying decision gotcha interesting it seems way more uh, i guess purposeful and focused than probably most groups that you are competing against, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I do, uh, as you know, I've got quite a few children, and so one of the things that we do in the dinner around the dinner table at night to get everybody to speak, particularly the teenage boys who don't always want to talk, <laughs> is we'll do a game called best and worst. Right. So you tell what was your best thing of the day and what was your worst thing of the day. You can take do it in either order. So the question I'm going to ask you is, what is the best part? about your job and the role that you're in? Yeah. And what's the worst part about mm. your job and the role that you're in? You can go in either yeah, direction, yeah, either way. Yeah. Best part is easy. Best part is the is the stories that I hear from our customers, right? Um, and it's, and it's, um, it's kind of easy to get lost in the noise, right? When you're building a company, you got a lot of stuff going on, you're focused on, you know, whether it be growth or, you know, capital allocation and a variety of things. But at the end of the day, that product experience is what we're selling and everything that we do is in service of the experience that the guest has. And the, the, the thing that makes me smile the most is when I'm at one of our locations and either one of our associates is telling me a story or I'm interacting with one of our guests that's telling us a story. And it's one of those, you know, Christmas card, life-changing moments, these make-a-wish moments, if you would, that are happening across our business at all times. And recognizing that, you know, while it might be the 10,000th time that, that our team or our boat has gone to this place, it's the first and maybe only time that some of our customers will go right. to those things. And so hearing those stories is the one that, that really kind of like lights me up on a, on a daily or weekly basis. The worst part, man, you know, it just kind of spin the wheel of, of what's happening in the world right now. I think the the, the worst part is is I think goes back to that uh, human development, human capital, making decisions for the company that are in the best interest of the company and the best interest for the associates, and trying to um, kind of work your way through that as a, as a leader and making sure that you know it's not growth and. And as I say, kind of in all ways, all ways, right? You have to be deliberate about those decisions and recognize that um, it's not just me, it's an entire organization of, of hundreds and hundreds of people. So I think that that's probably what weighs on me the most. I don't know if it's the, the worst part of the job, um, but it certainly is is the thing that I think uh, is the, the heaviest part of the job, if, if you would. Gotcha, so you mentioned that uh, you've got um, locations you're in a lot of parts of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. you've got Key West, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. uh, where's the future? Where, where else would you love to yeah. be? If you could kind of wave your magic wand in the air and yeah. you have a presence in these markets, where would you want to be? Man, I, I, you know, we, we really view Hawaii in the kind of short and medium term as a really sustainable and kind of magical destination, right? And so that's a market that that we want to expand. Not we're, we're currently in Maui, but we think we can 
there's quite a lot of, of market share to be addressed within that Hawaii market. Uh, same thing in the Caribbean. You know, right now we're in uh, the Florida Keys and St. Thomas and Turks and Caicos. There's so many amazing destinations. You know, Down Island, Aruba, Barbados. You know, these different locations that are kind of growing. Jamaica, Cayman, etc. So, you know, I think that that's probably that that Caribbean and Pacific is kind of our initial thought process now, but it's really amazing to see what's what's happening in you know, Oceania, Australia, New Zealand, you know, the Mediterranean. So the sky's the limit, but rest assured we're 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 always gonna be focused on on trying to do doing business in the, the best places possible. Gotcha. All right. So a question that I try to ask uh, every guest is uh, you've got one last hotel trip to take, mm. right? I'm not gonna say that you're sure. you're gonna be dying in a week, sure. but you have one more trip left. You mm -hmm. go anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your, what's the hotel you're going to or what, what's your favorite hotel? Whether you've been to it or not. Yeah, or no, I've been to it. Um, you know, being in the business, right? Being in the places that, that we go, we're very fortunate to see and be a part of a, a lot of these hotels. There's one hotel I think that stood, has stood out to me over the last uh, probably couple of years. It's the Ritz-Carlton Reserve in Dorado Beach, mm. Puerto Rico. Um, I think that if it, if that was my bucket list trip and I had to pick right now, it would probably be a week at the Ritz-Carlton Reserve. Um, there's a few others that are that are up there on the list, but that's probably so. Tell me about why. What is it? Because you all are involved at the the Ritz in St. Thomas, mm -hmm. involved in the Ritz in Turks and Caicos. Mm -hmm. You're involved in great properties in Key West. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously some great properties around Hawaii. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you are spoiled like yep. to say it yeah spoiled yeah, yeah. you're around we, a lot we of have really... access to some really cool places so what is it about dorado beach mm -hmm. that and the ritz reserve kind of product that yeah. makes it different you know that's actually that question being hard to answer is probably the answer right the the, the ritz carlton would call it the mystique right in their brand um it's hard to put your finger on why it is as good as it is, but it is as good as it is. It's the entire sensory experience. And we don't provide service to that hotel. You know, it's an affiliated hotel. We, I'm very fortunate to be able to visit there and vacation there a couple times. But that hotel from start to finish um, has been, the, from, from the way that it's laid out, right? The kind of low density nature of it to its service standards, to the ambassadors that they have uh, associated with each room. And you know, to the, to the fact that it, it really is a place where when you get there, you don't wanna leave. And I think that that's kind of a, a mark of a really excellent hotel. I've stayed in some of the nicest hotels in the world. And a lot of those places are in really amazing destinations. But earlier in the conversation, we talked about people that are making decisions to go places based on the experiences and not where they're staying. Ritz-Carlton Dorado Beach is a place that you go because you're gonna stay there, not right. because there's you know, so many amazing things to do in the neighborhood. It's because you can go there for four or five days and have zero interest in ever leaving the grounds. <laughs> um, and it, it's just a really special place. I just remember the, the time that I did take a trip there and the, I believe the spa is five acres. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, the, the deal that the, the, the kind of the water ritual that you pour yourself onto, I mean, it's, it's like going into Narnia, um, you know, and, and being immersed in just a full, you know, full, 
five senses right. experience. So then when you, do you find yourself when you're then visiting hotels or you're traveling and you, uh, you experience the way that that staff mm-hmm. is, is uh, meeting your needs, is, is, is operating, do you ever take nuggets mm-hmm. from those mm-hmm. and think about what, what can we do to make it feel like that in our yeah. business? So um, one of the major kind of benchmark moments in, in Red's story was our integration at the Ritz-Carlton St. Thomas back in 2014. We we're the second third party operator to ever be offered to outsource the concierge department of a Ritz-Carlton in the world. And at that time, the general manager who was in place, um, and we were just you know small, lowly water sports company coming over from St. John and, you know, working on the beach saying, hey, you know, give us more, we won't let you down type of thing. Bill Marriott owned that hotel at the time. And uh, so the general manager said, you know what, Chris, we're gonna take a risk on on you taking some more really high guest sensitive areas of the business, particularly the concierge. And and they also invited us into uh, their legendary service training standard mm. uh, training. And that was the first time that I ever, ever experienced that. And the Ritz-Carlton, as maybe some of the listeners and viewers know, kind of exports that. There's many brands around the world, Apple and others, that have participated in the Ritz-Carlton legendary service standards. And um, not to, 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 to kind of shower the Ritz-Carlton with too much praise in the last part of this, but that was really transformative. And they allowed us to bring not only all of our associates that were gonna work on that property, we started bringing all of our associates from the from the region to go and participate in their legendary service trainings. And uh, it really helped accelerate kind of what we thought and crystallize what it means to have an excellent, you know, customer service, guest facing service standard. That's great. Well, now like I said, I mean, you've brought the, uh, the company a long way and uh, going from, you know, basically having a two storm sink your boats and yeah. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure it out to where that you've taken the company and uh, so kudos to you because you've um, you've done a lot of great things in, the, in that business and it's very exciting because there's a lot of uh, I, I guess a lot of upside and things that you're uh, still going to do over the next few years so we hope so you know it's been uh, it's been so far or fun so far certainly not slowing down um, and uh, you know we, we, we're now in a kind of a fortunate position to to really help choose or, or pick where we want to go next um and and that i think is a testament to our, our team and, and the products that we're putting on the field and you know more of our hotel partners want what they see in other locations um and so you know we're really excited about but what we can do in the next few years that's great well chris i appreciate you coming on thanks rob all right thanks everybody for joining us for the eighth episode of hotels 101 we will see you all next month thanks for coming bye